Hello and welcome to the Tea and Grumpets podcast, the international podcast of brotherly love. I am one of your hosts, Glenn. And I'm the other one, Mike. And we have a jam-packed, delicious, nutritious episode for you this week because we are going to talk about all things food. Uh, UK food, US food and everything in between. But first, as always, how have you been, Mike? I've been good. I mean, I had a good first half of the week, and then the latter half uh, turned into a nightmare, which we will definitely get to. But um, I'm here, and uh, yep. yeah, it'll explain why we didn't release the episode on time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it definitely will. But weirdly, serendipity kicked in and has actually given us some content for this very episode we planned beforehand. Yes. So, uh, How yeah, are you doing, strange. Buddy? You good? Uh, exactly the same as you. Yep. Great start to the week, awful end to the week. Uh, I have lost a lot of weight, though. Yay! Me too. <laughs> <laughs> How bizarre. Um, so, yeah. So what happened, Glenn? <laughs> wow. Okay, so I went <clears throat> I went to the food market, which is, when I say, it's actually a little shack at a place called Felixstowe, uh, who sell fresh fish that's literally coming off the boats, and I'm not blaming them at all. And I had some, uh, a new thing I've never tried before. I had some mussels prepared for me. Okay. Who prepared them? Uh, uh, it was my girlfriend. She okay, so them. she's at fault. Now, keep going. Yeah, disclaimer here, she wasn't ill. <laughs> but we had a nice romantic weekend planned, of which I spent my Saturday night <laughs> on face down on the toilet. Either way, whichever way you want to look at it, I'll take turns in what style, uh, for about a good six or seven solid hours. Um, weighed myself the next day, and I'd actually lost three pounds, <laughs> which was nuts. I weigh myself every day anyway, so I'm nuts like that. And yeah, I dropped three pounds overnight. Uh, probably one of the worst days. I mean, it topped being tested for COVID, I'll give it that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and all I had was, all I've been doing all weekend now is pointing an accusing finger at and saying, you gave me food poisoning. You tried to poison me. Um, and the, the one thing I keep trying, thinking back is we had a glass of Prosecco each as well. And at the start, she switched them. I said, oh, I'm going to swatch them because I, this is my dominant hand. And I went, okay. And I keep thinking back going, it was the Prosecco. <laughs> she tried to poison me with the Prosecco oh my God. and I keep saying this like I shouldn't have fell for the old wine switch which just dropped it back when he wasn't looking oh, man. so uh, yeah so tell me your story Mike what happened well oh God. Well, before that I'm just glad that the poison is working that I sent to your son and he gave it to yes. her but it, that's for long time listeners but for me uh, I just went to the brewery that I always go to that I love dearly and I got a salad and I ate it rather early on in the day. And this is the day after. Like I, I'm like, Glenn, we got to record. Glenn, we got to record. He's like, I am dying right now. I'm like, all right, man, feel better, feel better. Oh. And like, we were set to record that day. Went and got the salad, ate it early, and within hours, it was a repeat of you. I mean, pick, pick an orifice. I was exploding. You know, it, <laughs> it was like a fountain of yeah. Anyway, uh, so that was yesterday, and today I am still severely under the weather. So, um, yeah, it hasn't been fun, and we both got food poisoning back-to-back. -back. Like, what are the odds of that? So um, so we decided we're going to talk about food this week, and hopefully good food that doesn't make us ill. So, <laughs> But it's been a marathon of just violence. 
um, that poor toilet. But uh, yeah, I've lost three pounds as well. I weighed myself this morning too. So between the two of it's us, amazing. Yeah, we have a newborn baby that we've lost. Yep, that's it. Uh, yep, we, yeah, God. Uh, you know, I wanted to lose some weight, but this is not the way to do it. Definitely not. Mm -mm. No, sir. So let's enter the world of food with a positive Okay, attitude. so, <laughs> yes, let, let's start off with, uh, Mike, how often do you eat out before pre-COVID? Let's go pre-COVID. Like, personally, like, probably not. Yeah, how often, how often do you go out? Not, not, never is never an appropriate oh. response because, like, like I, how about, all right, let's, let's do takeaway. Let's do okay. third-party food preparations. Okay. because once a week, once a week. I would say I would order in food. I mean, I just don't go out because like, I don't know, some, it depends. Like once a month, I would say I go out by myself and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go out and get some food and sit there by myself and look at my phone and whatever. Like, so I order in a lot more than I go out. How about you? Do you go out often? I used to go out a lot uh, and then COVID happened and I don't really want to get ill yeah. so uh, i don't anymore but I, I used to eat out quite a bit like know, how much is uh, quite a bit uh two times a week okay all right and how about takeaway oh uh i i always preferred restaurants to be honest okay i always preferred the experience of going there you know and that it's all about the service and the, the actual experience for me that's what i enjoyed the most and that leads me um, to something that they said that Brits usually just go out only when there's an occasion, like a birthday, a family holiday, or is is that true? Um, some people do. I mean, I think I went out a lot more than a lot of people I know because I just like different foods, so I'd actually go to different places to try different foods. Okay. Um, but yeah, that is quite common. Is a lot of the time is it is it's an event normally, or people generally don't eat out as much here as they would in the states. They wouldn't just go. Oh, let's meet up for food, unless you're a bit of a foodie. Um, I'd okay. meet people for food all the time because I enjoyed it. So it'd be like, oh, this place does great burgers, or this place does whatever. Um, so, yeah, but a lot of people don't. Um, I'm not sure why. I suppose it's the British, British mentality, really. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we, we go out for, like, any reason possible. I mean, I remember working back with... Uh, in my first school with a bunch of fun people and like we'd have like a period off and we'd be like all right let's go get smoothies all right let, let's go to this restaurant like whenever there's downtime it's like all right let's go out you know like it's just a, another a different place to be social i think that's what's so important it's like all right mm -hmm. especially at work you know it's not like we're gonna sit there and just in the office and we've done that but like it's always an event like oh let's go out and do this and it turns into a fun little adventure you know so uh but out here, it's we don't really need a reason, you know. We we just are like, all right, I'm in the mood for this. Let's go. Or the same as you, I heard, hey, this burger's insane. Let's go. I remember mm. a good friend of mine. He once said, Mike, there is a uh, hot wing challenge, and it was like, <laughs> it was summer, it was 90 degrees, and I'm like, okay, let's go. And like we did the Buffalo Wild Wings challenge, you know. It was just me and him, and he tapped out, and I kept eating, and like got beat it. But it's like. Any stupid reason here, we will go out and eat. <laughs> it's great. So let's talk about uh, one thing I want to ask you, right? Yeah. Is tipping in America. Okay. Right. So you have to tip people there. You're a jerk if you don't. And it depends on, on okay. the establishment. If you're getting a dirty water dog in the city from a food cart, you're not going to tip the guy. Okay. Maybe you will, but no. 
Um, if you're going to a nice restaurant, yes, you should tip. And if you don't, you're going to end up on Reddit and someone calling you a jerk. So um, it, it, it really, for me personally, I always tip, like no matter what, mm-hmm. and I tip well. Because this person is taking time out of their life to serve me and like be attentive to my every need. So I always tip well. Um, but it's their job. Have bad service, really, like anywhere. So it seems that it gets me, though. But it is their job, isn't it? Yes, of course. But if they do it extraordinarily well, I feel that they should be, you know, get a little more than what they're earning. Because listen, I've worked in the food industry, and we're going to get to mm-hmm. this. You don't make jack. You rely on mm-hmm. tips here. I don't know how your guys are paid, but like here, you're getting two bucks an hour, like at best. And then everything else is on tips. So the way the service industry is structured here is very different than I'm assuming yours is. Do you know how it works? Uh, yeah, over here you'll probably get minimum wage, which is about ooh, $12 an hour. Yeah. Uh, and then you'll get whatever tips you can get. But a lot of the time, the tips here are actually divvied out uh, the serving staff at the end of the night. Yeah. Uh, so whatever tips you'll get will get put behind the bar and then they get split at the end of the evening. Some places do that. Some places like other places keep their tips. Some places don't take tips at all. Uh, and generally the British will punish the hell out of some of a bad service with a tip. Uh, some people don't leave a tip. Some people are leaving an insulting tip like a dollar. So it's like 50p wow. uh, because they've had bad service. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always, I always do the 10 to 15% thing. If I've had good service, I'll just leave a 10 to 15% tip. Yeah. Um, because, like you say, I, I do feel a bit sorry for people <laughs> who have to wait tables. <laughs> Me? No. Uh, that's, that's generous in the UK. No, no, I'm not, like, uh, rating that yeah. you feel sorry for them. Because, like, <laughs> the people I've met in the food industry, like, a lot of them really love it. Like, they're all about it. Like, yeah, I've never met anyone who likes it. Really? Oh man, well, I <laughs> never. Guess it's always like, like living hell. Okay. Um, no, okay. I've never met anyone who says I love my job. They're all like, oh, this is just a stopgap. Um, okay. I'm working on my my novel slash my poetry slash I've got an exhibition coming up slash I'm gonna make it big as a gamer or something. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Maybe I mean I was only exposed to one restaurant for two years that I worked in, and it was like top of the line, and like. The people that work there, they're like, yeah, this is my fifth restaurant. Like, I love this. Uh, and and they, they would slay what they do. They were incredible people at, at, at their jobs. So maybe mm-hmm. that's the vacuum seal bubble. But they were excited. Like, they would fight for shifts. And, like, they wanted to make money. And, like, it, it was really cutthroat, to be honest. And I was just there. <laughs> and it was actually, um, I tried out every, like, station because they didn't know where to put me because I had no experience and whatever. Um so I did the salad bar, I did bartending, I did dishwashing, I did the meal prep, the line prep, everything. And like, eventually I ended up being a food runner, which is just the guy that brings over your meal. But dude, it's nerve wracking. It's it, like, as someone that's never done it, it's horrifying. I had to carry this big plate. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a tray with this fish on it. And then on the other hand, you had to bring like the, the stool that it sits on in first day. I freaking dropped the fish like on a customer and it was like the worst thing ever and eventually i got training and it was fine but it's just like uh no it's another breed of human that does that you have to be confident with what you're doing but tipping because i was in it i always tip before that i didn't know what the heck i was doing but after living that for two years those people deserve your money um even if 
I don't know. I, I, again, we don't really have bad restaurants here. Um, terrible restaurants with terrible service because they wouldn't last, you know, because A, real estate is really expensive, and B, people just wouldn't go. So you have to be good to be out here. I know that sounds really, I don't know, stuck up, but it's the truth. So in, tipping on your side is really variable, huh? It, it, like there's a large Yeah, scale. I mean, no one, no one would frown at you if you didn't tip. Um, you know, you have got a bit, to be fair, you have got to be a bit of a jerk not to leave a tip. <laughs> you really have. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you really do have to be a, an absolute jerk to not tip someone, just like in the States. Um, but yeah, it, tipping is completely, like, you wouldn't go into a McDonald's and tip someone. No, and, and we um, don't either. I mean, you know, it depends on the establishment, you know, but it's... Yeah, that's a big one, and it changes everywhere around the world. So it's like, you know, I was wondering how it worked there. So it, it seems somewhat similar. I mean, if it's a nice establishment and they kick butt, there you go. I mean, mm. so that's cool. And uh, do you guys have a thing called brunch over there? Uh, yeah, we do. Um, it's, it's just a copy of the American thing. It's oh. served, it's literally served at like half past 11 till half past 12, <laughs> and then they start serving lunch. Oh, wow. Um yeah, and it's it's basically like a smaller, like I, I think the, the idea if, if someone said, "Oh, do you want to go for brunch?" The kind of things you'd be expected to eat over here would be like, I don't know, eggs on toast or something, or um, you know, poached eggs with a side of toast. That that's kind of a brunch meal okay. over here. Do you guys have like uh, bottomless mimosas in like? No. Yeah, they they, they don't no. give you that. <laughs> Because <laughs> definitely not. No, the British are alcoholics. Well, that's um, what I'm saying. You guys would like, yeah. destroy it. <laughs> yeah, the Brit every Brit the people in Britain start drinking at like ten o'clock in yeah. the morning, and that's it. Uh, we can, can drink anywhere, anywhere. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. As long as as long as you're being sensible and not causing disruption, <laughs> you can go anywhere and drink. Uh, I've done it myself sometimes. I've walked along and. Oh, I fancy like a nice can of cider or something. I walked in the shop, literally bought a can. Walking along my street, just swigging it. Uh, you get a couple of people look at you, but as long as you're not being, you know, rah, people, <laughs> you can generally get away with it. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, it's quite regular, quite common occurrence that you'll go to the parks in the UK and people are just necking alcohol all over the place. Wow. Um, but that's it. Brit Brit Britain's a very drinky culture. So that's why there's no bottomless mimosa. Definitely. Okay. I mean, I dread to think what would happen if you actually made an offer of unlimited alcohol for a fixed price because I think people would smash it, absolutely kill it. Or there'd be terms and conditions that mean you're drinking paint stripper. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, I think, um, yeah, most, most Brits would destroy that offer. If it was, um, yeah, he's pay this price and you get as much drink as you want. Yeah, it'd be bad, bad, bad for business. Yeah, I mean, places by us do that, um, especially for brunch. But uh, I've never seen people, I've never really gone to brunch, to be honest. Like, I've gone once or twice, but, like, I, maybe people do get hammered. What do I know, you know? So it's, um, it's an interesting concept because, it, I mean, the idea is that you went out the night before, got hammered, and you need a little, like, pick-me-up the next day. And generally mm -hmm. people aren't going to get hammered two days in a row but that's just my brain thinking maybe they do or what you know but oh over here oh uh, 
Yeah, I mean, that's. Have you, do you have the phrase in uh, America, hair of the dog? Of course, yes. Yeah, uh, that, we practice that over here that, you know, if you've drunk the night before, the best thing to do is to top up the next day. Um, that's what we do. It's just kind I mean, of we well, do that too. Yeah, we, good. We, we do that as well. I mean, um, so, okay, so it, that's a similarity. How about water? Because, like, when you, when you go to a restaurant in anywhere in America, they bring out water, you know, and there's some nice places, mm -hmm. like, do you want tap or do you want sparkling or do you want mineral or whatever? And then I always get tap. I don't care. But, like, to me, water is essential, and that's the first thing that's brought out to the table. How about on your end? Um, it's rare. Like you have to ask for it generally. You have to ask for the. Uh, you have to ask for the water. Like, generally, what happens as well is if you ask for water, uh, and if you ask for tap water, <laughs> they, uh, they'll kind of look at you like you cheapskate, um, <laughs> which is which is fair enough. What um, water is essentially free? I mean, it's not, but like, come on, it's the cheapest thing ever. Yeah, and I understand that, but. Okay. Here's the problem though, right? Here's the problem is, I like drinking water with my meals. So do I. Um, and the problem is, I've then got that, that stigma of, yeah, you cheapskate. Um, but I do, I do spend a lot on food, that's the thing, but I don't spend a lot on drinks, um, because, which is where they make most of their money anyway. Because, um, you know, I, I, I just generally drink water with my meals. I, I mean, for me, that's very normal. I, I know a lot of people don't do that. But, like, if I'm at a restaurant, you know, I'll say, all right, I, I want a Heineken and a water, please. Like, if they haven't already mm -hmm. it out, which they usually have. But, um, yeah, I mean, I generally just drink water with my stuff as well. But people go all out and do all sorts of weird stuff. But you, you really have to ask for water over there. Oh, man. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm never going to. Yeah, some water. places. But put it this way, right? Um, bread rolls. No, because the food here is really good. The food here is excellent. That is not your um, reputation, sir. Your reputation no, 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 is that the food the over thing. there is dog food. I'm just letting you know from that. The... No, but this is the thing, right? Uh, if you came over here, there's a few places I'd go. Right, we'll go here to get some proper traditional British food that I know would be good. One of them would be my girlfriend's kitchen because she's an amazing cook. Um, yeah, especially, awesome. especially with muscles. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can't wait um, to try the muscles. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd avoid the muscles. Okay. Um, but yeah, there are some great places over here. But then again, there are some terribly awful places. But I could take you to some places where you could get proper British food. Like, okay. I'll take you for the places you could get. Oh, the English breakfast. Like, the English breakfast is something you need to you need to experience. Like, tell me when you came over here on your music tour many years ago. What, mm -hmm. what were your memories of British food? Not much because, like, it, it, it wasn't a proper representation of your land, okay? It, like, we were staying at a hostel, so the food was not very good. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, tea, tea crumpets, literally, that's it. You know, like, it, we didn't stay there long enough. I mean, I think I got a hot dog somewhere, like, in town. But, like, I, it, it definitely is not representative of all the fine culinary things you have to offer so besides a full english breakfast which like everyone knows if i were to come there what are some staples that you would show me day one and say this is what you must eat day one i take you for an english roast or a sunday roast okay. what the hell's a roast 
Okay, roast suddenly roast dog, is basically roast, cat. Roast, ve- roast vegetables, roast potatoes and goose fat, Yorkshire puddings, which you have tried, I've gravy, made. cider mashed potatoes, and a selection of your meat. It could be chicken, beef, pork, lamb, whatever, whatever you want, uh, and probably peas. So you have all that on your plate. You basically have it piled high, you tuck into it. Delicious if done right. Oh, God. Mouth-watering thinking about it now. <laughs> okay. Uh, then, Tell me yeah, another. Uh, uh, I'd then take you for... Uh, you can't beat a British curry other than going to India. We are okay. we have the home great, great curries. Uh, so that would be another one. Uh, something along the lines of... Do you, do you ever have bangers and mash in the States? Yes, but it's another name. Just describe it for us. Yeah, basically, it's mashed with sausages. Yeah, and, no, I mean, no gravy. one does that. Yeah. Like, we only yeah. do that to imitate you guys, and that's, like, one of those <laughs> things on the menu that no one orders. Like, unless you're hammered at 2 a.m. It's like, yeah, I'll have bangers and mash. Like, no. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, it's I, just I mashed potatoes and you... sausage, right? That, well, yeah, pretty much. Um, I definitely would take you to uh, try pies, some British pies, because, like, they're yes. legendary. Yeah, t- talk uh, to so me about you, these pies. I'm interested in the yeah. pies. Okay, Mike, I want you to Google something called the Denby Dale pie. Okay, that sounds like a race car This driver. is a pie. This is a pie they bake for an entire village on special occasions. We're talking a pie that serves 10,000 people. Okay, it, it doesn't exist. Uh, Denby? It doesn't. What? Yep. Denby who? Denby Dale. D-E-N-B-Y. Dale, Dale pie. pie. Let's take a look at this nightmare. You can okay. No, no. Yeah, I don't believe. Yeah, it. so yeah, so yeah, they they bake these pies. Uh, it's the for size special of occasions. A New York City yeah. block. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> it's like the the biggest pie in the world. Uh, you've got those. Uh, you've got our famous steak and kidney pies. Ah, oh, I'm just thinking about it now. Steak and onion pies. Uh, chicken and mushroom pies mm. and the chip shops I take you to the chip shops they're incredible they're not chips like uh, you guys think they are they're proper they're basically a particular type of chip french fry uh, slightly fatter you know they're also fried in um, fat so what makes uh, them better? That they're just, you, you, you soak them in salt and vinegar and they're incredible okay we have that absolutely too. incredible that, but yeah, you have okay. whole shops dedicated to chips as you yeah call it. a whole shop that literally is to sell you fish and chips or a battered sausage and chips or a battered hamburger and chips and that's it you have these selections or you can have something like a cornish pasty excuse you uh your Cornish pasty. Just Google the Cornish pasty to tell what you no, think of it. No, just describe it to the listeners. What, uh... Cornish pasty. It's, it's okay. Let's, let's, let's paint it with words. It's pastry filled with mince and uh, vegetables chopped up, mainly onion, swede, that kind of thing. What the hell is a mince? Uh, potato. Mince, you know, chopped up ground beef. Okay. Ground beef. And then you've got a crust on it that's designed to be held by the hand. Okay. And you stand are... and you'd eat it. These, These are, are Jamaican amazing. beef patties. That's what yeah, it these. is. But who's to say they didn't come from the UK because we oh. had heavy involvement in Jamaica? I, listen, I'm not here to debate history. I'm telling you what we call them here and everywhere else in the world. And that Cornish okay. hen now, meets pasty. Traditionally, okay. traditionally they, they were served for miners in uh, Cornwall, which is an area famous for tin. And what you would have, you'd have the entire meal in one end and in the other end, sealed off by pastry, you'd have your 
dessert, which would be like jam or something, mm. all served in one thing. You'd, you'd actually eat it while working. Uh, I've actually had a traditional one in Cornwall, and I would like to say it tasted different and better. It didn't. <laughs> it okay. tasted exactly the same as every other one in the UK. That's awesome. Yeah, it looks beautiful. I mean, our um, Jamaican beef patties, I mean, I say our, like when we made them, but, you know, they are, unless you go to a real Jamaican place, they aren't as fresh as what I'm seeing here. Um, it's basically ground meat with pastry around it, and then I always open them up. I throw a piece of cheese on there, well, shredded cheese and some yep. sriracha in it, shut it down, and it's delicious. But this looks really good. It looks flaky. I mean... I just feel like your pastries in Europe, especially, are just infinitely better than what we have here. We can do more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ridiculous things with pastries, but the quality of mm -hmm. yours is way better. I feel. But you're used to. Yeah, it, we. You know? Yeah, we, we we've been doing it for a while. Probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Very true. Um, that's that's what we do. We we're very a very fat nation. Um, we love to stick just animal fats in everything, and uh, that's it. It's the pastry. You know, if I, if I was to eat a pie, right? Yeah. One pie, single serving pie, which is the size of a CD with meat filling at the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that you're talking that 600 calories and 30 grams of fat, and most of that is the pastry. It's not the filling. Yeah, um, okay. They are, yeah, they are incredible. Absolutely incredible. Well, that's why they're 600 yeah. calories. Of course, they're incredible. Yeah, uh, that, that's, that's what I weaknesses over here plus we have um you know talking about our cheeses over here as well mm -hmm. we have these traditional you know uh it's one called black bomber cheese which is one of the strongest cheeses you'll ever have it's black cheddar vomit bees black <laughs> black bomber b-o-m-b-e-r you know uh black bomber okay incredible cheese uh if you if you ever come to the uk i'd recommend taking home as much cheese as you can because it's absolutely amazing the different cheeses over here. There's a cheese called Wensleydale. You ever had Wensleydale? You're just naming people from the Adams family. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> Wensleydale is a cheese filled with apricots. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, very, very, very good. Uh, there's Stilton, which is a, which is a blue cheese. Stilts. Um, Stilton, yeah. Uh, you got you got that. So that that's that's an amazing cheese as well. And these are the things these. <laughs> One of my favourite meals ever is to sit and literally have a selection of cheeses, olives. I mean, I've sent you countless photos of these anyway. Listen, you're talking uh, yep. to Mr. Cheese Board over here, okay? Yeah. You, you know how I roll. We have all that. This isn't a competition, but like our selection of cheeses is infinite. The yep. quality, eh. But you can find cheese with anything you want. You want mm -hmm. cheese with mustard in it? You can find it. You want cheese with Oreos in it? I'm sure it's out there. Um, yeah, but cheese boards are, they, they're just, usually they're communal. Like, do you share your cheese boards? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit, so I, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy having a massive board. I find it quite a nice, bo well, it sounds weird, but I find it quite a nice bonding process doing that with someone. That you have some wine, have some cheese, some olives, a selection of meats. And it's nice yeah. just to sit there, you serve yourself, <coughs> you sit and have a, a nice chat with someone. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a nice little, nice little touch. All right, let me tell I you how we do it here, or how I do it here. Mm -hmm. I do that for myself, and I share it with the cat. 
We have wonderful conversations, okay? But I make the cheese board, and, like, <laughs> as I'm getting older, I mean, because I've been making them for a couple of years now, like, they started out so big, and, like, to the point where I just could yeah. them. And now I make a nice little one, and it'll last me, th like, two, three hours. You know, you watch, uh, I watch, like, a movie or a wrestling event, and you just go through them, and, all right, let's talk about cheese boards. What's your strategy with the cheese board? Like, how, how would you make yours? Okay, so what I normally have is I'd normally have in my in my fridge, I'd have four or five different cheeses at all times, right? I'll have a couple of French cheeses, and that's normally a camembert, and that's a brie, right? And then I'll have I'll have normally have a Wensleydale, and I'll have an English cheddar, and I'll normally have something like a Stilton as well, so quite a strong cheese. Mm -hmm. I'll have a selection of selection of each of those, so I'll cut off a chunk normally bigger than I need, then. Then I'll have a pot of olives on there, and I'll have some salamis, I'll have some pepperonis, I have some uh, chorizo, all on there. I'll have some ham, some uh, maybe some um, parma ham or um, pastrami is becoming a good thing, but that's not traditional English. But I do have that. I'll then have some pickles as well. So I'll have like good. a uh, a sweet pickle. I'll have a mango chutney on there. Um, I have a chili jam on there, yep, and then okay. I'll have I'll have like some sides of bread, normally toasted as well. <laughs> um, and what I do is I sit there, and me and my girlfriend will sit with wine, and we'll have that on a massive wooden board between us, and we'll sit and pick. And I can guarantee you, she finishes a long time before me, and I'm still picking, and yep. I'm still picking. So and then sound, to oh no, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, go on. No, no, no. <laughs> and then to finish it off is yeah. uh, what I'll do. Is I've done so much that I'll then get. Do you have cling film over there? Like cling wrap? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cling wrap. I'll just wrap the board in that, put it in the fridge the next day or later, and just carry on. That's kind of what I do. See, you make it sound so elegant and like beautiful, mm. and mine is essentially the same thing, but not. But also, a, a pro tip if you're ever going over someone's house, make a cheese board, then saran wrap it, and bring it over. Okay, like that's a really nice thing to do. Like I've done yeah, that. that is. I My like friends that. have done that. It's it's like super easy. Just cling wrap the thing, bring it over, and then bam, cheese board. No one's ever gonna be like, Oh, you brought over a cheese board, I'm sorry. I mean unless you're lactose intolerant, but it's like most people want that. So my cheese board is very, very similar except like we have Jarlsberg, we I use Gouda, smoked Gouda, um Brie. Ah, Gouda. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, smoked yep. Gouda is my favorite cheese, like hands down. That first bite, okay. there's nothing like it. And then it gets like, you know, repetitive. But that um uh we have this blueberry goat cheese, which sounds sacrilegious, mm -hmm. but it's insane. It's also like seven dollars for about four inches of it, which is astronomical, but there's a reason. It, it tastes so good. So I usually throw that on it and whatever else we can find. Then uh, the meats, uh, we have a local farmer's market down the block, so I go there and there's the meat guy, and like that's his thing, and he has salami, you know, uh, the usual things that you could find. Then pickles. Um, we have the pickle guys over here who do a lot of really good things, and horseradish pickles, honeydew, melon pickle, like whatever you can think of pickles. Pickles, mm -hmm. olives, um, crackers, a lot of crackers. I know you use crackers too, right? Yep. Okay. Yep, we do. Just making sure. Mustard, hot sauce, okay? We don't use a hot chili jam like you have. I throw sriracha on there. I throw jalapeno ghost pepper, whatever I have on there. Then uh, there's more. But wait, there's more. Um, horseradish I really like on the side. You want that sweet and sour component to everything in options available. Grapes, fruit, you, uh, also melon. Like, it's infinite. 
you know, but like that's generally what I make up and it's really haphazard because I don't eat it with anyone else. I just hack it up, throw it on the plate. I arrange it to look nicely and then I just devour it. So yeah, I freaking love cheese boards, but, um, housing one by yourself, you gain a couple pounds. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's funny. And then I go to the wineries out here and then I ask for their cheese board and I'm like, Hmm, I can use that. Okay. All right. I could have made it better. <laughs> and, you know, like I'm a jerk. I'm like, eh, it's fine. But they also charge an astronomical amount of money for a darn cheese board out here. I believe it's $28 for like three cheeses and two meats, which what? is ridiculous. So have you ever had? Yeah, that's a, crazy. It, it's a lot of money, man. Do you have the option of having cheese boards out there or no? Yeah. we. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they're used as a dessert sometimes. Okay. Like you'll have the starter and main and the cheese boards are the dessert. Nice. Um, yeah, they're, 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 they're about $6 over here for a cheese board. See, that's how much they should cost. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's crazy. Uh, do you know what? Um, instinctively, if I have anything that's red, red wine, um, I instantly want cheese with it. So oh, I'm not sure what it is, but it's uh, it's like con- conditioned into me. It's like, no, you got to have cheese with this now. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, I get um, that too. No. But yeah, uh, no, I've never never found a cheese I won't eat. I, I always, that's I think that's I one of my favourite things. Yep, never I found think. a cheese so I've turned down. Always, always happy to eat it. Yeah, that and wine. I mean, because I don't know enough about it, but I'm like, eh. It's good enough. Like it'll work. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you have access to probably some great cheeses out there. So, and we do too. But from my experience, they're a lot more just I don't know. They don't seem authentic or just real enough. I mean, half the time I have the American Craft Singles uh, American cheese, and I just throw it on there. I'm like, good enough, whatever. Like you know, um, (laughs) just to like switch it up. (laughs) <laughs> here's the thing here's the thing about the americans uh, single slice cheese you cannot top a burger without having that that's the best cheese to have on a burger it is pretty damn good i find personally because it, it, it just melts at the right temperature yeah and there's certain cheeses that melt at that temperature and like mm-hmm. <laughs> it just so happens that the worst thing for you is the one that works the best so yeah yep. and th- that's a staple i mean let's transition a little bit into some barbecue because that is something i really love and yes you know um our definitions of barbecue are way different uh you sent me some pictures of your um, <laughs> attempted barbecue um, yeah it was an attempt it's it, just uh, very tell, yeah. tell the listeners the story because it was a good story and the, the food looked good but what you were cooking on looked like a tin barrel co- covered by a shopping cart with a fire underneath it so like yeah, that's that's kind of how that's the traditional barbecue over here. It's the half barrel <laughs> with the grill on top, uh, and that that's what we use really. I mean, I've seen I've seen some American barbecues, and yeah, the stuff you do, and that's yeah. just you in like in your garden blows away what most people do over here. Yeah, um, barbecuing is a very rare occasion over here that you might do it two or three times a year if you get the weather. It's nowhere near what you've got over there at all. Why do you think the difference is? Is it because like everyone lives in a flat and there's no backyards? Is that like a stupid assumption? No, I think it's I think it's just the weather. It's terrible oh, weather okay. all the time. That's true. Well, um, <laughs> you know we we have rain a lot over here. Well, this, um, there's tents, Glenn. You know, like <laughs> I, that's what I did for. I first got my first barbecue. It was a charcoal Weber that I bought. Mm-hmm three years ago and uh i was all about it that summer i barbecued every single day with charcoal Mm -hmm. 
so much so that I bought a tent and put it up in the backyard. And like, I don't care if there was a hurricane. I didn't care. Like, I was barbecuing. <laughs> I remember this. It got destroyed. It, it, well, it, that's coming. Yeah. So yeah. like, then one freak November snowstorm. The year we got no s snow whatsoever. It was just like one night. It destroyed like the entire backyard in the tent. So I'm like, okay, what are the odds of that happening again? Bought another tent <laughs> next year. Freak snowstorm. So I'm love. done with tents. But like, yeah. Yeah, and it's gotten less. I mean, um the amount that I barbecue, but barbecuing in the States is basically for family, for holidays, for big events. Like we skip going to a restaurant and we do it ourselves. And like we- It's the rip. third religion. It really is for, for a lot of people. And then there are yep. a lot of people that just do it. Like I have an uncle who's lovely and he has a gas grill and he just turns it on and he whips up like some incredible stuff. So I just feel like as an American, like a lot of people, just know how to barbecue or can get by it doesn't barbecue mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have to be the best thing you've ever eaten because by the time the barbecue food is done you're probably consumed four or five drinks and you're like oh this is amazing and it's like a burnt piece of asphalt you know so but um yeah for me it is basically a religion i mean last year i s smoked i bought a giant smoker and i would sm spend 12 13 hours um just smoking a piece of meat, drinking outside, and then when it was done, I'd be like, okay, cool. But half the fun of barbecuing for me is the process, not the mm -hmm. end results, you know, because the end result is phenomenal, but getting there, seeing it, tending to it, it's like a newborn baby. Like, it starts as nothing, and then you raise it, and then you, you send it off. And that's how I feel barbecue is. It's like, here's the meat, you season it, you, you, you mess with the temperature, and at the end of it, you have this hopefully beautiful piece of meat that you can share with your friends. So, yeah, it's like a religion, if you can't tell from me talking about it here. So, Yeah, but the good thing about that is, though, is uh, it's a bit like the whole fishing thing over here, is people go fishing, and it's not the fact they want to catch fish, they just want to sit somewhere and... Drink and look at look. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So it's very similar, I imagine, over there. That the barbecues, the American version of what we do fishing over here. It's I've never been fishing either. So yeah, it's just <laughs> something to do relaxing. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that do go fishing and do the same thing. I mean, just the act of sitting and waiting for something to happen, I think, is something that everyone enjoys. You know, it's like, all right, well, at the end of this, mm -hmm. maybe something good will come out of it. So, but. Yeah, barbecue's huge here. So, but, oh, so that's... I would love to try it. I would love to come and experience the Barbacallian delights of the United States. Yeah, man. And, like, we have I think some I made really that good up. barbecue restaurants, too. I mean, in New York... So, tell me about barbecue restaurants. How do they okay. work? Just They're okay. Lots of pits? Um, see, I, I don't know, because I, I'm in New York, and, like, we have some really good barbecue, but, like... To get to the good barbecue, you got to go to Texas, you got to go to Memphis, you got to go to, you know, there's the Alabama white sauce, there's the, the you know, uh, Kansas City, uh, you know, brisket, like, they, they, it's mm -hmm. all over the, the United States. So, my experience is not going to be the same as someone that has, like, Franklin's Barbecue, which is, like, the best barbecue in the world. But over here, we have some pretty decent places where you can get a good rack of ribs, you know, and you can get... um some baked beans and stuff we just came back from camping and on the way home there's a guy in a trailer and um we always passed him we're like what the hell is this and some dude in a trailer is producing some of the best barbecue in new york he he made uh so, some burnt ends he which i loved and it, it was good he makes the best beans i've ever had like this dude is just on the side of the road 
and you go. So you you can find it in restaurants, just sitting down and like, but the prices are astronomical. For a rack of ribs is generally between 26 and $36, like a whole one, but usually you don't eat a whole one. So it's um, it's really ranges in price and it ranges in how fancy you want to be. Oh, let's go out tonight to the barbecue restaurant or let's go to the side of the road and get some banging, you know, um, beans. So it's all over the place and you can find it almost in any town. And then you have imposters that are just like, you go to a diner and they're like, yeah, we have barbecued ribs and they come out looking like cat food. So you, you do have to do a little research and you do have to know where you want to go. But um, it, it's generally when I walk out of those places, I'm like, I could have done better. You know, like, except for the sides. I'm not good with sides, but the meat itself, it's like, okay, like, you're mass producing it. Like, I know you, you don't have the quality control because you're doing hundreds of racks of ribs, but at least in New York, it's always, like, a little underwhelming with ribs and stuff like that. But there are places um, that have, like, Louisiana-style food over here, and that is incredible, like smoked catfish, uh, you know, jambalaya, gumbo. And that is a place I would take you if you were to come here because it imitates a place that we don't have access to extremely mm -hmm. well in my limited knowledge of that area. So, um, and that's the thing I want to say, Glenn, like about U.S. food, we have it all. And we have it all at a very high quality and also at a very low quality. Do you have that wide range of access to foods from around the world where you are? Yeah, um... Where I am, no. Okay. But you go, you travel into London, you can get anything you want in London. Is it quality? Uh, it's, it's good enough. It's, do you know what? I'd, I'd say, I mean, I've never actually been to the States and sampled real States food, so I wouldn't know. But okay. certainly the food I've tasted like from Asian establishments, Indian establishments, you know, and I've been I've been around. Uh, I've had full, authentic Indian cooking done for me nice. in someone's home before, and uh, I'll the home cooking spell. You can instantly tell. Um, oh, okay. This is just this this stuff is just slop that I'm being served because I don't know any different. Because you suddenly recognise the quality and go, this isn't as good as what my friend cooked me. Um, because you know it is, it is essentially fast food. Um, yeah. But I've eaten enough of certain various different cultures' foods to recognise what's good and what's bad. Mm. Um, you know, like I could, I could take you to London and tell you where I could take you to get the best Korean fries, uh, things like that, and that they're the best fries I've ever had. They might not be the best in the country, but I've eaten them in a lot of places. Mm. Um, so yeah, we do we do have it. Uh, just few and far between. Like you know, my local town of Colchester has an absolutely incredible sushi restaurant. Oh wow. And I've eaten a lot I've eaten a lot of sushi in London, right? Mm. Um and this place I'd say pff, yeah, it's on par. This doesn't have the London prices, but it's damn good sushi. Like nice. really, really good. Um you have these open markets as well. You were telling me in London that there's Yeah. Tell me about those. Yeah, the, the food markets, they're incredible. Basically what what everyone does, right? Is you pay like a hundred pounds for your stall for the day and you rock up you cook your food, you serve it, and you go home at the end of the day. You book your slot for like the next day or the next week. And we're talking cuisine from everywhere. Wow. Like I can walk in, I can get Portuguese spit chicken. I can then walk over and I can get Jamaican food. I can then bounce across and I can get Thai food. I can then go to the next store and get African food. And sometimes I go there just for the day 
and I'll spend maybe $40 and I'll have eaten nine or 10 different dishes. Uh, I'll go with some friends and we'll, we'll just buy loads of different stuff. We'll go to a nearby park. We'll just sit there and eat all, all these beautiful foods because you're not paying for the table service. You're literally walking away with this food in your hands and uh, that's it. You know, they've got people there who serve sushi. They've got people there who will serve you like um, peppered steaks and things like that. Mm. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, if you ever came to London, UK, I'd take you to this, these food markets and say, Mike, go and fill your boots yeah. um, because it's crazy. To, uh, but you don't have those here in the States. No, it, I feel that's a really European thing because like when I went to Germany, it was the same thing. Jeez, pop-up shops. I mean, we have food trucks. That is the like as good as it gets in like if you ever go to a convention out here you'll have five or six food trucks with anything from um fried dumplings of ever anything you can believe you know in it fried oreos um to i don't know just like pure meat and we have that like specific um nationalities but in food truck form that's like as close as i can think and then like the mall, I guess, which has the food court where you can get anything you want, but malls are dead. No one eats there anymore, and that's the thing in the 90s. So, like, I, no, we don't have that in terms of just this vast open place where you can try different foods. I don't think maybe one's eluding me, but, um, yeah, that sounds like heaven. That sounds really fun. We have farmer's markets where people, like, mm -hmm. sell stuff to you. Um, like, you can get fresh corn, fresh this, fresh that, but it's not like here is something authentic from my homeland you know like or whatever so that sounds really good really really good so tell me more about these farmers markets because over here if you went i said i'm going to a farmer's market you'd have cheeses yeah you'd have meats you'd probably have some sort of home baking mm -hmm. you'd have dairy products mm -hmm. uh what would you get in the farmer's market in the states they're basically the same thing i mean um it's generally the same people. I only go to the one down by my room, but it has your meats, cheeses. Um, the pickle guys are always there. They have fresh corn, fresh produce in general. And then you have the weirdos that are like trying to sell their bluegrass album on the corner. Like some fiddlers always playing music that you don't really want to hear. And like sometimes it's good, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, bakery, uh, you know, baked goods. Uh, I went there and there was a, a grandmother and her... I don't know, granddaughter, and they made the most killer gluten-free brownies. And I, I told them, I'm like, listen, that sounds god-awful. I don't want that. They're like, here, eat this. Tried it. It was life-changing. I went back for a month and got them, like, every time. It was just so good. So, like, they have weird stuff at ours. And it, it does change, but generally you'll see on a week-to-week -week basis the same vendors and the same things. And, um, I mean, for some they only go once because they're doing a circuit of farmer's markets. We have a lot out on, you know, where I live. Um, and there's one in town over, there's one in, you know, Northport everywhere. Uh -huh. So um, they will make the rounds. Like I found this one place called uh, Island Empanadas. They make empanadas. And it was like a religious experience. I bought like 10 of them and I'm like, this is great. And then I couldn't find them again for about two, three years until they opened up a store in my town and I like rejoiced and bought a 50 pack of empanadas and went to town so it's you have the standard people that are there and then you'll have the the you know that one that comes once and you'll never find it again and my favorite one is the ones with beer obviously they show up at 10 a.m they're like all right try my beer and everyone's like no it's too early and then there's mike i'm like give me let's go that's great beer give me a six pack thanks so much so um <laughs> it's really just <laughs> 
can be anything and everything, but they are very prevalent during the summer season and spring season. And as fall goes on, I don't know if you guys do this, but uh, it turns into this pumpkin picking, apple picking nightmare out east where we live. Do you have places where you can go pick your own pumpkins, apples, pears, whatever? Yeah, the they yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're all along the road here. Like, you know, I could drive you to three just where I am. Um, yeah, we have a lot of them uh, over here. Yeah, pick your own. Probably not as um, prevalent as the States. Like pumpkins, yes, mm. but that's becoming more of a thing. Uh, Ten years ago, I'd have said, no, we don't have those. But yeah, I've, I've seen them out and about. Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to ask you about, mm -hmm. is this is a very British thing, is a baked jacket potato. Do you have them? No. Ah. Uh, what is a baked jacket potato? Right, okay. So you get the biggest potato you can find, right? Okay. Fresh dug up out the ground. Uh, this is how I do it. Uh, you, you obviously poke some holes in it. I smother it in oil. I put sea salt in there with the oil and rub it in with my hands. I then put that baby in an oven for uh, an hour and a half, and it basically crisps the jacket of the potato and it turns the soft, inside soft. Um, and then you cut it open and you put a filling in it and then you serve it. Amazing food. Absolutely so amazing. One of my favorite dishes. Potato? Yeah. But yeah it's we like have a, baked like, potatoes, Glenn. We're, yeah, but are, are they a big thing over there? Because over here, that's like a staple dinner we would have. See, that's really... I, uh, I don't want to judge like, you. Yeah, listen, baked potato we have on the side. That's a side dish. That's something... You <laughs> no, know. no, that's, that's a main meal over here. Baked potato, and we have something like baked beans and cheese on it. Have you ever uh, had that? Yeah, yes. I mean, we ha we call that a loaded baked potato. You know, you get a it, loaded it has sour cream, potato. it has cheese, it has... I mean, there are whole places that are dedicated to just putting asinine things on top of a baked potato. But tell me, if that's a side dish, what would the main dish be? A steak. So you get a steak, like, that's one place I would take you if you came here is a good steakhouse. Okay, and like, okay. a lot of people say, oh, the steak out here isn't that good. Hogwash. Okay, there's some great steakhouses out here. You go, mm -hmm. everything is more expensive than your house, but it's good. So, um... At the, the steakhouse I like, you get a steak, you get, um, what is it, uh, cream spinach, which is freaking ridiculously good. Then you get a baked potato, which is the size of your arm, and that's your main. You, get, you can get, uh, like, lobster mac and cheese, you can get regular mac and cheese, you can get any side you can think of. And obviously there's an appetizer if you want it. And then the dessert are ridiculous. They, once we went and we got homemade donuts, which are still talked about with mm -hmm. my friends because it's so legendary like they were so good and then we have espresso with sambuca which is like th that meal alone and by the end of that meal at the steakhouse you just walk out feeling like you're a zombie you're just like floating to the car and you magically get home and like that was the best experience so you guys obviously have steakhouses i'm assuming yeah 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 we have we have uh, quite a few of them okay and what would yeah. the sides be at your steakhouses Oh, you'd have things like uh, fries, um, mashed potato, uh, rice, um, th things like uh, cauliflower cheese, that kind of thing. That, that's kind of what you serve okay. with that. Um, but we tend, to, we tend to put things on plates more, like all on one plate. 
I think that's um, one of the main differences. That is a is, big difference because they make it a yeah. friggin' ordeal here. They're like, here is your cream of spinach in a copper-plated bowl, blessed by the Pope. Here you are, sir. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And the steakhouse I go to, which I really like, they have two waiters, Glenn. They tag team, literally. Mm -hmm. Like, one gets your water on one side. The other one puts the cream of spinach on your plate and then the other one cracks pepper while the other one is adjusting your bib on your neck like it's a freaking like i don't feel like i'm wasting money when i go to a steakhouse because i've been pampered like a newborn baby like by the time i walk out like i feel good that i just paid them 300 for a meal for like two three people i'm like all right money well spent i feel like a king so it, it's really like outlandish and i think it has to be because you're spending that type of money so but again, that could be just me and my delusion, but I love that experience because so, to me, nothing is better in life than a good meal with a good friend, like in just walking around and feeling good. I think that's one of like the meanings of life, you know, and that does However, yes. So do, do the waiting staff in the States, they'll touch you? Excuse me? <laughs> like they'll, they'll adjust your they'll, they'll no. adjust things so <laughs> I say in the UK in the UK if someone did that you'd expect to get your face broken <laughs> no, no 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 like some will like oh. that's you're, you're very right no like if I go to the bathroom I'll come back oh, and my God. napkin yeah, go on. <laughs> oh, okay. they will readjust my napkin like if right. you go and get cra a lobster is a better example they will tie the bib around your neck okay right okay no they're not like doing anything inappropriate <laughs> like hello sir welcome to our steakhouse all right unzip your pants um, like no that doesn't happen <laughs> jeez glenn get uh, your mind out of the gutter <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'd come over. <laughs> oh, crap. oh, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah, no. They, oh. they, they treat you like royalty. I don't think you do that to royalty, but I don't know. So, but. so let, let's talk about, um, like, the coffee element. Because coffee over here... It, uh, it's becoming it's becoming a thing in the in the UK. You know that they're, they're doing like the new generation of people are drinking more coffee than tea okay. over here because we're a nation of tea drinkers. Over here, if I went into a Starbucks, you'd probably have I reckon I'd have five different coffee options. Um, what about the states? If it's I went into a, a coffee shop, okay, there's not not a great like. <laughs> You could have this, 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 well, this, this, Starbucks, this, this, dude. this. No, but like if you went to a, a coffee shop, generally how it works is, and I say that a lot, generally. Anyway, um, they have like their own specially brewed coffee. Then they have some from Colombia. Then they have, uh, I don't know enough about coffee because my go-to coffee is Dunkin' Donuts. And you know mm -hmm. the type of coffee they have there? Crap. Okay, and that's the type I like. I like it light and su sweet, and that's it. But, yeah, coffee's a religion over here. There are people, and I know them, that will drink six, seven, eight cups of coffee a day. And it has to be the strongest brewed in a French press on top of a dolphin. And it must be, like, the perfect temperature or else they will call it crap. I mean, personally, I don't care. I, I have now evolved to drinking two cups a day, whereas I used to have a half a cup. But if you go to any establishment, generally, their coffee will be above the standard i mean if you go to a nice steak steakhouse you're getting a great cup of coffee even if you go to a bodega in new york city which is like a crap deli there's a very specific taste that that coffee has so at least over here you know exactly what you're getting but if you were to go to a store and buy coffee that's where you see the different 
of varieties. Like at Fairway, we have a Fairway here. Their coffee aisle is the size of a New York City apartment, and you can get anything from anywhere in the world. So I feel that the fancy coffee comes into the home, and when you go out for a cup of coffee, no jerk is going to be like, well, where? what type of coffee do you have? We have coffee, okay? Like, it's not like you get to pick the different types. We have freaking coffee. So it's glamorized over here because people drink so much of it. And some people are snobs. But, um, again, you get the real variety in the store. How about you guys? Like, is it starting to pop up more in stores? Is it... Like, what's the transition going like? How is that going? Uh, it, it's seeping in, uh, but it's not quite there yet, but it is becoming a thing people enjoy. But uh, a lot of the problem is, you know, my generation drink coffee, but I think the generation after mine, a lot of them, like the hot drinks things, kind of fading away okay. in the UK. Um, yeah, that, that's that's one of the problems is, uh, is that they're appealing to my, my generation. My generation's now getting to the point where it's like, well, oh, I can only drink one cup of coffee a day because I'll be up tonight. Yeah, no, I know. Um, I get that, too. And, yeah. and that's the one thing that bothers me in American society. It'll be 9 p.m. And you've just eaten a four-course meal. And then the, the guy comes over, hey, you want some coffee? I go, mm -hmm. I should have been in bed an hour ago. I'm half asleep at the table. But, like, I understand yeah. it. But, yeah, no. But I don't want to end this one without talking about our namesake, tea and crumpets. <laughs> what the hell is a tea and a crumpet? Tell me. And why is it so, right. such a religion over there? Ah, oh, uh, crumpets, they are... Do you know, the, the only thing I can describe them tasting like is they're like a very, very delicious sponge. Um, it's, I mean, <laughs> what, I think what, what you call them... The, you call them English muffins? Are they griddle cakes in America? I mean, I've never heard a human being on this side of uh, our universe call it a griddle cake. I mean, maybe at a Waffle House, but I don't know. I think it's just an English muffin. Let me look it up. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're basically made with flour and yeast, and they've got holes in them. Yeah, we call uh, those pancakes. Yeah, no, it's not a pancake. Okay, You'd be that, looked at weird if you described it as a pancake. A crumpet's a very, very, very British thing, I think. Okay. Uh, I don't think there's actually any anything more representation of British than a, a crumpet. Uh, and we have butter on them. Some people have jam on them. Uh, I have jam on them sometimes, so that's blasphemy, according to some people. Mm. And, uh, yeah, you make these crumpets, and they're incredible. They're one of the best things ever because the, you put butter on them, and the butter soaks through onto the plate, and then you can mop it up as you're biting the crumpet. Um, and the thicker the crumpet, the better... They are absolutely, uh, yeah, they basically have pores in them and a spongy texture, um, which soaks up what you put on them. They're incredible, absolutely incredible food. Um, yeah, I, I actually can't get enough of them. I'm actually, yeah, they're kind of like a pancake, I guess, in you'd make pancakes out of the same material, but it wouldn't be the same outcome. Um, I would recommend anyone who listens to this podcast, all 20 of you, um, if you can go find a crumpet, uh, I'd recommend one. And if you want tips on how to have the best crumpet, here's what you do, right? You get the crumpet. You put it under a grill. You wait until the top of that starts to brown. You want it the colour of caramel. That's when it starts, but it's perfect. It just starts to turn caramel. And here's a tip for you as well. You'll know the crumpet's done because the bottom of the crumpet will start to harden. 
Um, not not really hard, but there'll be a firmness to it. You take it out. It's hot. You get a slab of butter. You put the butter on top, and then you eat it straight away because that that will just absorb straight away, and you're basically eating a buttery cake. <laughs> mm, that sounds um, amazing. It is amazing. I can't get enough of them. And the thing is, these are one of the things. If I left the UK, I would miss crumpets like hell because they're, they're incredible. They are an incredible staple. And even the packaged ones you buy from stores, they're amazing as well. They're absolutely a godsend. Um, yeah, I can't, you can't get enough of them. Okay, so you uh, we like don't, freaking we don't, crumpets, I get it. Now tell me about yeah, tea, because in my uh, American yeah. mind, I feel like when the, when the clock strikes noon, all of Britain stops, everyone whips out a mobile tea unit, sits down on the floor, and just like vigorously drinks like four cups of tea, and at like 12.05, yep. they just keep walking. Yep, uh, very, very traditional in Britain. I mean, it's actually uh, a Chinese black tea we drink a lot of. Uh, which I believe comes from India as well, actually. You know, India got it from China because we basically set up in India. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a Chinese black tea that's the most common one we drink. Most people drink it with milk. Uh, a lot of people drink it with milk and sugar. And it is basically the ultimate discussion point is any problem, is the same famous British saying, any problem can be solved over a cup of tea. You know, in my job at work, before I was actually working from home, I'd make anyone in my team who had a problem, I'd make him a cup of tea because it instantly relaxes them and it releases endorphins. Um, what kind, <laughs> to of, put them at what ease. kind of tea are you serving these people? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, yeah, cups of tea, uh, they solve everything. Okay. Uh, and it, it's a, it's a tr that you cannot go anywhere without going around someone and going, oh, I've got this problem. And someone will say, I'll put the kettle on. Uh, okay. and it's such a bizarre phrase. I put the kettle on. It means I'll make you a cup of tea. But you know, if you took that literally, be what on the floor? No, <laughs> no, I get it. Like, no, no, I get oh, that. Yeah, but that just like implies like a long ass story is about to unfold, and we need something to drink over this, right? Yeah, okay. that, that that's exactly what it is. Uh, you have tea, and tea is often served with tea and biscuits, which is one of the most incredible things to do. Uh, biscuits being cookies in the states, mm -hmm. and you dip your biscuit in the tea. And then you just bite it in half, dip the other half, bite it in half. Great. Absolutely amazing. amazing. There's some biscuits made, mm -hmm. some biscuits made that you can't dip because they'll fall to pieces. Uh, yeah. Best ones, personally for me, digestive, rich tea. And I do quite like a nice bourbon biscuit. Bourbon biscuit being two pieces of chocolate biscuit with a chocolate fondant squashed in the middle. Mm -mm. And then there's custard creams. Okay. Yeah, uh, so that's tea. The tea ceremony in Britain. You know, they say the Japanese and the Chinese tea ceremony. Pfft, you've got nothing on the British one. Uh, we don't have to do it properly. Woohoo! Wow. All right. So, folks, what we've learned is never ask a British person about tea contents. <laughs> I should have put the kettle on before we started this. But absolutely, it has been a wonderful journey through food, and it's made me almost hungry and not nauseous. But um, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that because that's uh. I, I wanted to have this conversation for a while, and I know you did too, but it's yeah, it's inter so interesting that you aren't all morbidly obese. Um, it's crazy. And we um, are. I, <laughs> I do think we should do a follow-up episode. I'll do the dark side of British food, such as blood pudding. Oh, God. <laughs> and white pudding. 
That was uh, the, we, that was our joke for a long time. I said to Glenn, yep. I'm coming over, and the only thing after an eight-hour flight that I want is blood pudding. And then I'm yep. leaving. Like, have it ready so when I come out with my luggage, you just hand it to me, and I get back on the plane and leave. Like, I'm dying to yep. try this. So, yeah, maybe we'll do a dark side because yep. I have to think about the dark side of American cooking, but that's literally everything because it just kills us. So... Yep, but. maybe a Halloween special to the dark side of British and UK, uh, US and UK food. Sounds good to me. I mean, I'll figure it out. By yep. Then, but. Well. but if you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at tgrumpetspod on Twitter. You can email us, tgrumpetspod at gmail.com. Or you can catch us in the audio comments section in this very podcast. There's a link in there to leave a nice little voice note. Uh, be nice. We will include it in the podcast if you wish. Um, but for this week, I have been Glenn. And I've been Food Poison Mike. And take care. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>